Hello, everyone. Thank you for checking out this special episode of Really Dicey. My name is Manny, and I'm here with... Luke Gygax. I am the son of Gary Gygax, the co-creator of Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, I'm also a lieutenant colonel in the Army and the brigade executive officer at the 224 Sustainment Brigade, the Dragon Slayers. And I am also known in the gaming community as an author, organizer of GaryCon Gaming Convention, as well as Founders and Legends, an annual stream I do to uh, salute the roots and also look at uh, the great new things that are out there in our gaming community. Mm. It's good to meet, talk to someone that wears a lot of hats, as, as I do. <laughs> yeah. um, so today we're going to talk about your world uh, that you've made, uh, Okarim. How would you describe this world exactly for those who just heard about this for the first time? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I kind of came about this in a strange way. Uh, I run GaryCon uh, Gaming Convention. It's in uh, March every year. It's a memorial convention in honor of, of my father. And I had just gotten back from a deployment uh, to Iraq. And I thought, well, you know what? I didn't, you know, I couldn't really write a module for GaryCon 3. I got back like literally just a couple of days before the convention, you know, from the deployment, a couple of days before I flew out and went to the convention. But I said, you know what, for GaryCon 4, uh, I'm going to write the module for the GaryCon Open, which is just a, a little tournament that that we do, uh, 1E style module. And I was thinking, I was like, what am I going to write about? There's, there's so much stuff. So instead of starting just in a small spot and developing my world or developing the module, I said, well, what could this world be like? And I thought of how it's 130 degrees in Iraq and it was, you know, the desert, terrible terrain and all these things. I thought, okay, well, how about some environmental challenges? What weird things could be there? And I started coming up with this concept of the Blighted Lands. And uh, I came up with the world Okrim. And uh, just for those of you who, who, uh, <laughs> who may, uh, I will give you, we'll give you an exclusive here. So it's the world of uh, Okrim, but that is uh, basically... Uh, a little adaptation of Morocco. So, yeah, I just oh, took Morocco okay. backwards because my wife is Moroccan. <laughs> and so uh, I would lean on her. I was like, yeah, what's a word for this? And then I would incorporate that into into the setting. So the setting itself is sort of a mix between uh, fantasy and a little gamma world in there. So there was uh, a very powerful empire called the Idrissid Empire, that existed thousands of years ago. They were masters of elemental magic and essentially had uh, a high technology world, except the technology was magically based, right? So they had uh, cities that had paved streets with, you know, almost like, like it would be concrete or asphalt, right? There's no seams, it's not blocks of stone. They would just have earth elementals create it, make these beautiful uh, towers that go 600 feet in the air and have onion, like an onion top tower, like you would see in uh, the Kremlin, the St. Was it St. George's uh, Cathedral in, in, in the Kremlin? I, maybe I got that wrong, St. Basil's. I, but you know what I'm talking about, the beautiful yeah, onion topped yeah. uh, uh, towers, right? But on a massive scale. Uh, and uh, they, they had uh, obviously uh, very large cities. They were interdimensional, interplanar uh, creatures, or you know, ruled across uh, multiple uh, dimensions. Very powerful uh, mageocracy. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there was a schism, and during a war, uh, terrible powers were unleashed that ended up destroying uh, their world and their entire uh, their entire society. And so, thousands of years later. Here we are in uh, the world of Okram, the blighted lands buried beneath the blackened sands and the uh, glass, ball, you know, some of it's glass, it was such high heat. Um, 
buried in there are secrets of their their society and strange creatures and strange magically mutated uh, monsters and things of that nature. So it's a little bit of cross of fantasy and science fiction. Uh, the city of Shantufi is central to uh, the world of Okram. It is a city that uh, exists. It was built by uh, the Adrissid. However, uh, it was not destroyed entirely as most of the other cities were. Uh, so its infrastructure remains and it's been populated by the current uh, residents of uh, current populations, uh, although they don't understand and can't operate much of the uh, magic that is there, there still exists these great structures in this massive city uh, on the Sea of Najur. Uh, and here is where many adventures can take place. Think of Lankmar, uh, Greyhawk, and some of those weird slave cities that they had uh, that uh, the dre uh, Oh gosh, what was her name from Game of Thrones? Uh, Denarius Targaryen uh, was was uh, overtook and ended up leading some of those cities. Kind of that ancient sort of corruption uh, that's there. Uh, mix that in with you know some Conan, uh, you know snake temples and weird cults, all sorts of uh, uh, layers of layers of controlling underworld uh, organizations, uh, all mired up in a bureaucracy that is the city of Sinchufi with a million souls. Uh, surrounding it is, you know, the Blighted Lands with lots of uh, mysterious goodies buried in there and strange monsters to explore. And and there's more. That's just the tip tip of the iceberg. So uh, I would see it as a Bosphorus-style um, uh, setting. So it is a mix of East and West. So it's a place where uh, you can take your party who may be in the Forgotten Realms or more kind of Western European-based um, uh, setting. They could sail across the sea and end up in Okrim and experience a little bit of an Eastern flavor, but it's, a, it's like I said, it's a melting pot, it's a mixing area, it's cosmopolitan. And then you can return them or you could go to, uh, you know, a far Eastern setting, or I think some people are working on uh, African-based uh, mythos as well. So it's just a little spot where you can transition from a typical, you know, stereotypical uh, fantasy setting there and spend lots of time in or use it as a stepping stone back and forth books exactly that are out there that help support uh the world of Okram that that viewers can check out yeah this is very this is a cutting edge because most of Okram is right here like i said i'm a pretty busy <laughs> guy so i haven't i haven't done a lot but i do have several modules uh that i've written tournament style modules for gary Khan that uh have fleshed out bits and pieces of it but right now if you wanted to uh get a hold of some things the best thing you can do is go to drive through rpg and search for gygax and there you'll see a few of my modules. We have uh, the Eye of Shintufi, which I had held up. It's a beautiful, that's a little bit of glare on there, but the Eye of Shintufi, beautiful artwork on the cover from my friend, Michael Syragos, uh, who also did the GaryCon 13 uh, artwork, which was inspired by an Okrim module. Uh, so that is the Eye of Shintufi takes place in the city of Shintufi and is more, uh, has base there, whereas the one I wrote, The Search for Darwa's Temple, that'll be out here in just a week or two. I wrote that with the actual first one I wrote for 1E. Uh, we converted it to 5E, and it's going to be available on DriveThru uh, RPG, both of those in 5E. And I have some uh, uh, a couple other modules that are there. Uh, the Horde uh, should be on there. That uh, that one is uh, not... Not so much, uh, it's not really based in Okram, that's uh, setting generic. And then one that is kind of cross genre, it is uh, Nightfall, and it's based off of a, uh, a scenario, a chainmail 
a miniature scenario, a chainmail and tactics uh, scenario that was used at an early Gen Con called uh, Sturmgeschütz and Sorcery. And it's two different players. They have no idea uh, that they're playing cross-genre. One is told you're playing chainmail and you have uh, uh, the fantasy supplement. You're leading your wizard leading some orcs and a troll who's going to fight somebody. The other person is told it's a tactics game and you're leading a German patrol to go find some partisans that are causing trouble on, you know, in somewhere in Russia. And they meet on the battlefield, uh, you know, and their troops are revealed. And they're like, what the heck is this? <laughs> and, and, and you mix the two together. So this one, you're in a fantasy setting and you're chasing uh, an evil necromancer and you think you have him just in your grasp when he disappears and you uh, jump through the portal as well and find yourself in something similar to a World War II setting uh, and you have to be able to track this guy down and, and you end up coming face to face with uh, some of the evil evil German soldiers from World War II. Oh, okay. It, so is this primarily for for 5th uh, edition? Is it uh, is this agnostic? Two, two of them are for more 1E or retro clone and two are 5E. So I, I write uh, in both. Uh, I started off writing 1E. Obviously, I wrote these before 5E was uh, out. Uh, and then I've converted a few. And the Eye of Shintufi and the Heart of Shintufi, which is the second part of that series, which will be coming out shortly, uh, are written in 5E. Um, and I work with Chris Clark a lot in the 1E stuff. And I'm working with Matt Everhart, um, a.k.a. Casey Rift, uh, on the 5E stuff. Uh, I just really enjoy working uh, in tandem with people. Cause I, I like to bounce ideas off people and go, oh yeah, that's cool, that's great, let's let's flesh this out. So uh, that's kind of my style more so than just lock, sequestering myself and with a you know the computer and, and banging it out. Uh, I like to have that interplay, then go sequester myself, knock out a, some a piece of it, and then run it by people, then expand it and polish it and that sort of stuff. Uh, what options are available? Yeah, so absolutely. So. Uh, this sort of stuff, I really, like I said, I'm just retiring in the next, uh, about, about eight months from now, I'll be out of the army and retired and voting myself to gaming more so. Uh, but my idea for Okram, like I said, there's this elemental magic and introduced in uh, one of my modules, the, the second one, the Tower of Akbaba, is uh, a class, character class, uh, which I call the Zenic, which is essentially an elemental master. So for me, in my mind, I haven't uh, fully fleshed this out uh, and, and made it into yeah I haven't I haven't done the nugged out the mechanics but I'm thinking well this is a this is like a prestige class if you wanted to call it that if you're thinking like you know older older editions it's something that you're going to have to have probably about ten levels before you can even access this then you're going to have to see if you can learn it right if you can find someone who can train you and you can learn an elemental magic you know obviously it's fire water earth air right see if you can learn that then you're going to have access to spells, specific spells. And I'm thinking it's going to be more along the lines of sorcery points where you're going to be able to just pull forth elements and shape them into, in, into, into various, uh, uh, various effects, which I need to, to further flesh out. I don't want to give up my ideas to everybody either uh, quite yet, but uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, what I'm looking to do inside the next uh, year is to do a, a Kickstarter where I take uh, some of my earlier uh, modules, uh, revise them, flesh them out into a campaign style versus, remember, I write these for, for a tournament. So they're a little bit more on, on rails, right? In a tournament, you don't have the luxury of several se sessions to let your players fully investigate or go on a side quest or these sorts of things. It's more a little bit more linear. 
uh, typically as you're trying to get somewhere. Uh, so I'd like to develop develop that a little bit more so that you can take little side quests or get off track and explore various areas and not be so linear. Uh, and uh, kind of make this campaign arc with the first three that I did uh, and create a setting primer uh, as well that will tell you a little bit about the people that are there, some of the races that are there. There's the the Muzri, who are the blue men uh, of the desert, if you think of them as sort of uh, almost Fremen-like uh, a little bit, you know, a little bit of influence from Dune uh, all those years ago. Uh, and then there's some denizens of uh, in, in the Blighted Lands who uh, haunt some of the old cities called the Harumi, and they are uh, essentially crossed with, uh, interbred with, uh, you know, demons, devils, cambians, essentially a, 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 a type of cambian. Uh, and they're a little bit of uh, influence uh, of the Noom, sort of from uh, Jack Vance and Planet of Adventure. That was kind of my, uh, uh, a little bit of an idea there, as well as just cambians uh, being evil. And they have some certain special abilities and about their uh, culture and how they came about. Uh, there's some interesting areas, the the rift uh, that, that's in the in the Blighted Lands that interconnects. It's a kind of a pathway to multiple uh, dimensions and planes as well. So um, <laughs> there's also some interesting interplays with some elementals, uh, the elemental planes. Uh, they they uh, influence more heavily in the world of Okrim. Uh, obviously, because of the length with the Adrissid and the, the elemental planes. And there's a hierarchy of elementals. So just like uh, like any feudal system, there's more powerful beings uh, than just your run-of-the-mill uh, 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 elementals, that whether they come in 8, 10, or 12, or 16 hit die, or whatever they were, you know, size of elementals, there's uh, various types of creatures that, that uh, occupy, uh, whether it's a plane of fire or or whatever it is, and those will be more fully fleshed out and have more influence and interplay in the world, especially as you gain levels and become someone who is uh, inculcated into uh, you know, mastery of elemental powers. Uh, you will be drawing upon these nobles in the elemental planes to get some of your power, most likely. Wow, that's, that's a lot happening in the world. Um, if, if, is, yeah. if, if, if I may ask, um, Usually, I notice that um, uh, uh, these these uh, these worlds tend to have, I guess you could say, like a big bad, like uh, like like Dragonlands has the kisses and um, Forgotten Realms. If you follow Salvatore's books, it's it's Lolf. Uh, does is there anything like that for Okarim? Uh, is there what would you what would you consider to be the the big bads? Right. So uh, I don't want to give too much away, but it was a verdant and lush land until. Uh, in this schism, the Adrissid reached out and they tapped into uh, and summoned something so powerful that it ended up being very angry at being summoned. So, but I mean, they, they basically they, they summoned they were did a ritual and summoned the the overlord, the the king of the uh, elemental plane of fire, and he did wasn't very uh, keen on being summoned. Uh, so he burned and released all the you know, all, many elementals and burned it, uh, burned it uh, down. So that's, that was the great cataclysm that, that destroyed much of the world of Okram. Uh, however, they, uh, prior to that uh, taking place, there was the, uh, essentially the, the ancient ones who uh, attempted to come to Okram and harvest it, uh, use it as a feeding grounds. 
and they sent their opening, you know, the basically the gate opener uh, and uh, his assistants in to start waging war. And they were clever enough to be able to capture him and imprison him. And that's in one of the early modules that I did. Uh, so there are forces that are trapped there, uh, aboliths and krakens and things of that nature, who are more Cthulhu-like, uh, who are attempting to still find a way to open a portal and let the Ancient Ones come in and destroy the world. So uh, there's a couple different big bad evil guys. It's a dangerous world. You got to be careful. If if you were playing, if I was uh, dungeon mastering this world for mm-hmm. you, and you were one of my players, who would you be? Oh, I would. For me, I like I like playing spellcasters. So I would definitely I, I would probably lean towards wizardry, and then realize that uh, as I discovered about Zenix, I think that's more of a sorceress pact is how I think that would translate into fifth edition. In first edition, I would I'd have to handle it a little bit differently. So there's some mechanical differences between. You know, whether it's a Pathfinder or a 1E or 5E, and I'll have to nug those out. But I see it as a kind of almost a sorceress pact, and then with access to some very different spell selections and, and, and abilities. So, yeah, I, I love that. Uh, but there's no reason you can't, um, you can play uh, somebody like a, a Musri, who's the blue, the blue men who live in the desert. They're a little xenophobic, uh, uh, but they are, they draw their ancestry from the Adrissid. Uh, who fled the cities and survived uh, in the in the blighted lands? They uh, have blue, bluish, light blue squint, skin, and and they have tattoos. They use tattoos which are imbued with magic, but that help uh, harden their skin as well as uh, resist the elements and allow them to live in a very harsh uh, desert climate. Uh, but they have uh, enclaves uh, under under the sands where they are, uh, you know, worshiping the they worship the elemental, uh, elemental plane of water and the gods associated with water and healing. So they're actually more, we're more goodly aligned and it's a harsh world. So they're not necessarily, you know, pushovers. They've had to be a little bit harder, but they have, they're more beneficent in their outlook. Uh, I said a little bit xenophobic. So there's some neat things. You can learn some magical tattoos and, and, and have some access there, learn some lore. You could, uh, be able to, uh, uh, dip into their shamanistic, uh, how their magic has become a little bit more shamanistic over the thousands of years. So there's some interesting, uh, interesting interplay there with the Musri. Uh, the uh, Harumi are are pretty pretty evil. I would see playing them and like playing a drow. So which is not really something that is an old schooler that I would, that I would have done a lot. I know uh, 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 Bob Salvatore's done a great job with uh, you know making the drow likable, but they're really not a likable. Uh, uh, you know, a culture. They're pretty. You know, their culture is supposed to be pretty abhorrent to us, right? Because they're they were they were the big bad guys, right? Uh, well, and and uh, oh, geez, what's the uh, whatever the main character's name is? I, I forget it all the time. But he's obviously uh, atypical. He's an outlier, so that's why he's oh, Drizzt uh, Erden. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's an outlier, which is why we can relate to him, right? And he's kind of a rebel and, and a good guy. Uh, but but these guys are vile. They they uh, you know worship demons and they uh you know one of the one of the people that you'll one of the people who's encountered in uh the search for darwa's temple i'm giving away this a spoiler alert here uh it's a she's a she's a prisoner right she's so it's this this girl and she's totally innocent but she's been she's like been branded and in and, and and has like a lot of scarring on her it's really unfortunate of course she's 
you know, maybe it looks like perhaps she was just mistreated uh, by people who'd capture the Harumi. Uh, but what they did is basically prepare her as a vessel to summon a demon. So uh, basically on tap, they can, you know, just activate uh, a spell that's been a ritual, right? That summons a, a demon through consuming her soul and, and, and coming out of that portal. So it's, it's very evil and nasty stuff. Uh, but, but uh, it was a nice device in the, in uh, as a, as a, as a DM in a tournament, if they have this person, the center of their, you know, they're protecting her in the center of their party, what better way to uh, create havoc than to, you know, have someone activate a, a spell and suddenly there's a, a demon that pops up right in the middle there. So, hmm. uh, yeah. So what, game master tools will be available in your books would there be like for example like tons of mo new monsters things like oh, that yeah yeah there's there's new monsters and magic items that are in uh that are already in in my modules uh that i've done just little you know uh especially lots of new creatures in the tower of akbaba um basically you're trying to go rescue someone uh from akbaba who's uh, one of these xenex he's uh uh, powerful elemental mage and doing a frontal assault is impossible but you're recruited by a you know by someone to go into the the sewer system beneath the city of Shantupi and it's quite extensive it's called the Kanat uh, which basically is a kind of a twist on the word for tubes in Moroccan Arabic so it's like tubular tunnels and my friend uh, Stefan helped uh, draw the maps Stefan Porny from Dwarven Forge did the maps for him and uh, one of his uh, Dwarven Forge sets matches all the uh, all the sewer systems, but the creatures that you uh, run into uh, in the sewers are, I think, all of them are things that I that I created. Hmm. Um, whether it's you know, there's some crocodile man, there's uh, some uh, special type of spider, there's some really terrible uh, mold that's down there. There's uh, uh, what's essentially kind of like a carrion crawler, but I don't think you can use carrion crawling. It's a unique D&D &D one. So I just made something that's similar or along the lines of a, a carrion crawler. Uh, some basically super ghouls that are down there, El Ghoul, that are, because uh, it's an Arabic word, ghoul. Mm -hmm. I just had fun with that. Uh, and then, of course, you get to the Tower of Akbaba and you go in there and there's this whole uh, puzzle to work out. I did those. The first three modules, I worked with uh, James M. Ward uh, of uh, Metamorphosis Alpha and Gamma World fame. So we worked on those together, uh, and that was, a, that was a whole lot of fun. But uh, those creatures are, are available. Um, gosh, I don't know if I have any of those modules on my website, uh, on the GaryCon website in the merchandise area, but you could check because I only print off of maybe 100 or 200 of these uh, at a time, and then I would just sell them at the show. But if we had a couple left over, if you go to GaryCon.com, click on merchandise, and you can search around and see if there's some modules there. And my good friend Mike No uh, could uh, put it in the mail for you, and you can have a uh, something for yourself uh, after Christmas to read through. Oh, excellent, excellent. Um, so, if for anyone that wants to get a, a I could say, a first taste of, of this world, would you say the the new book? Um, I'm going to butcher the name, The Eye of Shentoifi. Shentufi. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, would you say that's um, a, a good place to start? Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. If you're a 5e, uh, 5e player, pick up the Eye of Shentufi. It's really laid out beautifully. Uh, Matt Everhart did the layout by himself. He's 
He's a very talented guy. He's a, uh, an Air Force officer as well. So uh, a gamer and, and another military officer, really, really smart guy, very talented. Uh, really pleasure to work with him. So yeah, and uh, the art is beautiful. Michael Syragos, uh is doing the art for the Hardish and Toothy as well. Uh, uh, so yeah, I, I would recommend that one as a great place to start. And uh, if you like that style, go ahead and pick up uh, the search for, for Darwa's Temple. That's actually the first book, uh, first module in Okrim that I wrote. Uh, and yeah, I think between those two, one's more of a outdoor adventure and one's the first one, uh, Shintupi is, you know, a city adventure. So it'll give you a little bit of flavor on both sides, uh, see, and see if you like it. Um, and Shintupi is my, uh, my mother-in-law's maiden name. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, so I was like, oh, I need a name, Shintupi. And that's, you know. <laughs> That's what my dad did for Greyhawk. If you look at Greyhawk, the Greyhawk, uh, World of Greyhawk, it's all people that he knows, essentially. You know, all the names of places like, obviously, the county of Ulick, that's Luke. Uh, ID is Heidi. Sundi is my sister, Sundi. Cindy, sorry. Uh, Alyssa is Elisa. Uh, the Pomarge is an anagram of my mother's name, Mary Jo Powell. So that's the Pomarge. Perrinland is Jeff Perrin, who wrote Chainmail with him, right? Um, yeah, Keo, Keo Land is uh, Tom Keo, is a good friend of his. So, all these are just a lot of them are names of people that that we know. <laughs> okay, you know, I was, yeah. I was, I was going to mention the sim I was thinking in my head the similarity between when you mentioned that uh, Okarim was the, uh, a play of Morocco. I'm thinking, yeah. like, wait a second, that uh, Gary did the same thing with a lot of his work where he played around with names. I think there's even a castle named with the backwards version of his name connected to it somewhere. Oh, Castle Zagig, yeah. Yes. That's because he couldn't use he couldn't use Greyhawk. So do I, I have some Castle Zagig stuff up here. I just have to where did I where did I move that to? Is that here? No, that's the Earth Journal. Well I'll have to pull it out and show it to you. But I know I've got it up here. My wife has cleverly hidden it on me. Uh oh here yeah. we go. There you go. So yeah, that's right. Castle Zagig stuff. So yeah, so that was my dad's adaptation of Castle Greyhawk, uh, <laughs> and that's that's exactly what that was. So uh, he just couldn't use Greyhawk anymore because when he lost yeah. his company, which is which is a Another great. Story. I mean, what is yeah, what a story. Yeah. And uh, if I can shill, I'll shill for my my friend uh, John Peterson. Uh, he's a great author, huge D D historian, really good guy. His book uh, Game Wizards tells the story of my dad and losing his company and, and Dave Arneson and stuff. So if you're kind of, if you're like history and want to learn more about D and D game wizards, John Peterson, great book. Oh, excellent. Oh, excellent. Um, so uh, I, I guess before we, we uh, wrap this up. Uh, so again, you mentioned that it, later on, there'll be a Kickstarter. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Please. Yeah. Stay, stay tuned. You know, you can just follow me uh, if you're on Facebook, Luke Gygax, Instagram, Luke Gygax, uh, uh, Twitter, Luke Gygax. You can find me uh, pretty easily there. Just uh, follow me and I'll keep you posted. Uh, but yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, anything that I do, I want to do right. So I'm going to take my time, formulate it. I have a lot of the core done, but uh, I want to make sure that I, that I do it the right way, that I'm going to be hitting timelines and, and have it smooth. So uh, I know it's a very annoying for people to back a Kickstarter and then have it delayed in an order inordinate amount of time. So I definitely don't want to be that guy. Excellent. Well, thank you, sir, for taking the time to talk to us about uh, yeah. about Okram, 
Um, I'm, 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 I'm keen to check this out myself. And to our viewers out there, uh, stay safe. Please get your shots. And um, happy holidays. Take care, everyone.